Lately, butterflies have been everywhere for me. Like people posting pictures, some of you know who you are. Uh, videos like that, all kinds of things running across my news feed. For whatever reason, I feel like when those things happen, it's sort of this convergence that God's trying to get my attention with something. And so, uh, but I started to think about this process, and I really wanted you to see that video because most of us know about that process, but few of us maybe have seen it actually in action. But you have the progression here. And when I think about this, and the odds of a bunch of random cells arranging themselves to make this happen over millions and billions of years, it's just impossible. The, the odds of me winning the lottery by not playing it are higher than that happening. Seriously. Which is incredible. So all this tells me that there's a designer there is a grand design and there's a designer that is involved in this process, a designer that has somehow made this amazing thing happen. And so I started doing some research and I was actually talking to Tammy about this a week ago because she brought up butterflies. I was like, guess what? I'm talking about butterflies in a week. And she's like, right? But I started doing this research and I realized that once this caterpillar most of you, if you're farmers or plant growers, you probably hated that part of the video where he's just munching through all the leaves. But there's this weird thing that happens where it spins its cocoon. And once it's inside of that cocoon, it starts to shrivel and it starts to shrink. And the caterpillar sheds its skin and its organs dissolve. Did you know that? Its organs dissolve. They turn to mush. They turn to goo. It's like this slime-like goo. Most of their cells actually die. But lurking within that weird pile of goo, right, there's these cells. There's a few little cells called imaginal cells. And these cells uh, jump, or imaginal cells, however you say that, they jump into action. And they start to reorganize all of the proteins and the nutrients and all that other goo. They turn what was once a caterpillar into a butterfly. And it's a pretty amazing process. Here's my favorite part of all of this. Scientists still do not fully understand how this goo organizes itself into a butterfly. They can now actually scan the cocoon and watch this process happen. And there's great videos showing like the, the, the imaging where you can see it happening. But they don't know how it works. They don't know how it happens. And everything about this creature changes during the transformation. Its shape changes. Its tastes, I don't mean like in music and stuff. I'm saying the things that it likes to eat, right? I mean, maybe his music tastes change. I don't know. He likes classical all of a sudden because he's a butterfly. But <laughs> its tastes change. How he eats changes. How he moves and how it senses the world around it, all of those things change. And yet, and this is even more amazing to me, the butterfly still remembers its life as a caterpillar. And so you're like, okay, well, how do you know that? There's actually some great research. Scientists tested this, and you can read all about it on your own. They held up flashcards or something. I don't know. Anyway, but the scientists have proven that the butterfly remembers its previous life as a caterpillar. Christians have historically used the symbol 
of a butterfly for obvious reasons, and we don't do that as much anymore, but especially back in the day, this happened. It's the symbol of resurrection, right, or renewal for obvious reasons, and that makes sense, right? Because this caterpillar is actually changed from the inside out, isn't it? Pretty cool. It becomes this completely new creature, but as you notice, especially with the music that's not a process that, that comes without some turmoil, right? You see that little cocoon like wriggling around in the stop motion thing. You can tell things are happening in there and now we know that those things aren't great things as far as the caterpillar is concerned. There's some turmoil involved. Here's another thing. If you were to open that cocoon midway through the process, you decided to just kind of cut that open and by the way, it, I would suggest you don't do that. There are videos online, but they were too gruesome and I was sad, so I'm not showing them to you. You can look them up yourself. Um, but you would see that it's just the slime. Like you open it up and it's just slime inside this cocoon. It doesn't look anything like the end product of this butterfly and it doesn't look anything like what began, this caterpillar. And I believe that this is a great metaphor for our lives as believers, especially uh, in light of what we've been talking about as far as our community and connecting and growing and serving and all these things that God calls us to do. So I don't know about you, so I'll just speak for myself. Sometimes when I look around at my life, whether it's my external life or my internal life, all I see is a big mess of goo. <laughs> right? Like I look around and I'm like, I struggle to do the things that I want to do, the stuff that I know that would be best whether it's physical things or spiritual things. Uh, the difficulties of life, just like all of us, they weigh me down. Uh, I compare myself to other people and like where they are with their walk as far as God is concerned. I think we all have a tendency to do that. You know, if you follow anybody on social media that's like a super Christian, you're just like, oh man, I could never do that. Or like, how does this guy post a verse like every 30 minutes? Like, how does he do it, right? The, we compare ourselves to those things, these people that seem like they have everything together when it comes to God. And I feel like I'm so far away from that goal of looking like that butterfly, like Jesus, you know, because that's, that's Jesus there. What, what we're meant to be is we want to be in this image of him. And so I look at that, I'm like, I'm so far away from that thing. And so from my perspective, it's all just a big bunch of goo. But here's the thing. In Romans 8, Paul writes to early believers who are in the middle of the goo, <laughs> right? He writes this letter to them. They've been through a lot of stuff and things were continuing. But beginning in verse 18 of that letter, and I'm going to paraphrase this for you. He says, listen guys, whatever you're suffering through, whatever it is, whatever hard things are happening right now, listen, you've got to hold on because this, what you're suffering through cannot compare to the glory of what's going to be revealed in your life as a result of following Jesus. He goes on to say that creation waits in agony for that moment because of sin, right? Sin came into the picture. And so creation waits in agony, but one day it will finally be unleashed and free to fully express God's glory. So that's crazy for me to think about because creation already expresses God's glory. We know that. And if you've ever been anywhere like Grand Canyon or something like that, there's this thing that happens as you observe this. It's like, oh my goodness, there is a designer. There has to be somebody. This is not an accident, right? Well, imagine that. I mean, think about that. That's not even creation unleashed. Imagine what that will be like. Are we going to be flying around the universe? I don't know, but it's going to be great, okay? So Paul goes on and he says, listen, we're in this holding pattern and this holding pattern requires patience until we are fully transformed into who God is making us to be. So when we're overwhelmed, when we're discouraged, when we're depressed, we hold hope, 
And then he gives us this encouragement. He says, listen, God's spirit in you, his spirit, it prays properly for your heart's deepest yearnings, even when consciously we don't know what to pray. The spirit knows what you need. God knows what we need, even when we don't, which is very encouraging for me. Because if you ask me where I want to eat, it's going to take a while for me to make that decision. If I look at a row of candy bars and I'm trying to choose, it's going to be like 15 minutes later. Okay, come on, seriously. I mean, the answer is Reese's peanut butter cups. Why are you even grueling over this, okay? So finally, I just wrote that down and that's what I do. But anyway, like God knows what we need, even when we don't, even when we can't make that decision. And so the question I asked them is like, well, how is that possible? Like, how does God really know what we need? So remember, we started this whole thing off by talking about him as a designer, but God's also an author. And the author of our story is also the authority. I thought that was the most amazing thing, and I don't even know who to credit for it, but it's great. The author of our story is also the authority. The one who is writing, which really were part of his story, but the one who's writing this story also has all of the authority and power to see these things come to pass. Our universe, guys, comes from the imagination of a master designer. And he continues to write our story. So today, if you feel like you're stuck in life, if you feel like you're in the goo, right? If you look around and all you see is goo, uh, that butterfly looks like it's really far away for you. There are three truths in scripture that I very, very quickly want to talk about. And these truths basically assure us, and there's probably more, but these three assure us that God is going to finish the work that he started in us. And so the first truth you need to know today is that God made you. There we go. Psalm 139 verses 14 through 16. Most of us have probably heard these. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. That's just a cool sentence to think about, isn't it? God's eyes saw your unformed substance. You you were goo or whatever you were, right? Like he saw that. And in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So before before you were who you are right now, God knew who you would be. It also says there at the beginning that wonderful are your works. And that means that you and 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 you, every one of you, you're wonderful. God thinks you're wonderful. I think you're wonderful. Now, that's not something for you to get prideful about, so don't go around. I mean, I guess if you want to, you can go around saying, yeah, I'm wonderful because God made me. That's true. But at the same time, humility doesn't mean putting ourselves down or thinking that we're worthless uh, in the sight of God. There's a whole different thing that's going on here. Ephesians 2, uh, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses or our sins, made alive together with Christ by the grace you have been saved, or by grace you've been saved. Verse 6. And raised up with him and seated with him as in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. 
not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. We are wonderfully made creatures because we are made in the image of our creator. That's what makes us wonderful. And that's the correct perspective to have. And so God has known you and he's loved you all along. All along. The fact that you're walking on this earth is a testament to the fact that he loves you. And it's only because of his love and his kindness that you, that we, right, are invited into his family. And so your presence here today, whether it's physically present or whether it's hearing a podcast, that's not an accident because there are no accidents in the kingdom of God. God created you for this moment. And so that leads us to the second truth that we can hold on to. God has a plan for you, you know, and of course we all have heard that, you know, even from being tiny little children. God loves you and God has a plan for you. I imagine some little character in a cartoon saying it. And it's not, I mean, it's still true. But we often sort of blow past this and don't really think about what it means for us. And so Romans 8.28 says, Furthermore, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called in accordance with his purpose. Now, I don't need to tell you guys, but I will anyway that there are bad things that happen as a result of living in the world that we live in, right? And so one of the struggles throughout history is, okay, so how does that work? Does God cause these things to happen? Uh, scripture seems like it says sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. What do I do with all these things? And so I put this up here and I just want to tell you what this is saying, not what it's not saying, but what it is saying. It's not saying that God causes bad things to happen. What it is saying is that for those who love God, for those who are living for him, he will use every situation to, a best, to best accomplish, accomplish his will in your life. Let me say that again. He will use every situation to its full effect to best accomplish his will in your life, through your life, in the lives of other people. So for those that love God and are living for him, he will use all those situations to make his purpose happen. Now, we need to define the word good because the word good shows up here. And I think a lot of times what we do with that is we think, okay, well, God wants good for me. He wants the best for me. And so we immediately go to earthly comfort, right? We go to uh, a latte every day or, you know, the house that, that's big and maybe spacious or lots of friendships or whatever that looks like for you, like whatever good represents. But we have to remember that this word is given to the whole wide world. And so therefore good, the word good has to be defined in terms of what would be good for everybody on this planet. Like you couldn't go preach this over in a third world country and say, God wants just good things for you, meaning houses and cars and boats, because none of those things would be true, right? And so what this means is when God promises good, he's not promising, promising us earthly comfort. But what he's promising, what he's guaranteeing is that he's making us into the image of Christ, into the image of Jesus. That's the end game. That's the end goal. That's what he wants for us. And so God, um, the good thing that he's doing is that we're going to look like Jesus when this is all done. Romans eight twenty nine through 30 continues, and I'm going to paraphrase this again, that God not only knew us in advance, but that his plan all along was to make us into the image of Jesus. And so as followers of Jesus... Paul goes on to say that we have this calling on our life. If you're asking the question, what's my calling? Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you immediately have one. You have a calling. And that calling that he's placed on your life is that, that end game of looking like Jesus. That's where we're headed. And we are right in God's sight, Paul says, because we placed our trust in Jesus and we've answered that call. We're in, basically, we're following him. 
He promises that we will be resurrected, and this is where it gets a little bit trippy, and glorified, or in other words, we will, at some point during resurrection, we're going to receive these new bodies. And I don't have time to go into all that, but we become beautiful butterflies, basically, is how you need to view that. So Paul speaks of this glorification, this glorification of our bodies. But what's cool about the way Paul says it, and he actually says it in Philippians 1, 6, Paul talks about this as if it's already done because God's guaranteeing it, which I think is cool to think about. So Paul's saying, listen, this glorification has already happened basically because he's so confident that God's going to finish the work that he started in us. And so if Paul's confident, then we should be confident in that too. All of Paul's claims are in this context of community, a group of Jesus followers living their lives and growing together. The creator who made you desires for you to be invested in others as a part of this whole thing. That's how you get to the butterfly stage, right? You, uh, community with people is how he shapes us to look more like Jesus. And so the creator that made you desires for you to be invested in other people. So that's the second one. And then the third thing after God's plan for you is that God won't give up on you. And I think this is kind of, for a lot of us, maybe one of the most important parts because we give up on ourselves all the time. At least I do. Like, oh, how many times you say, oh, I can't do that, or I can't live that way, or God, I can't, you know, he's challenging me to live, to step out and do this thing, or speak to this person, or to go do this thing, and I'm like, I can't. Like, that's our, the first words out of our mouth. Well, he asked the question, or he commanded us to do something, because he believes that we can, right? And so what I love about our God is he's patient. And so however long that takes to get you to take that step, he's willing to wait. And he won't give up. As long as we're following Jesus chasing after him. God's like, I am shaping you every day. I'm moving you closer to who you need to be in Jesus. And it's kind of, you know, the goo process is a slow process, right? I mean, it's quick for the caterpillar, but for us, it's a slow process. And so Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship. Other translations might say masterpiece. It can be translated that way. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in in them. So no matter what stage of the process your design is in currently, God's for you. God is for you. He believes you can do it and he's with you. Hebrews 12 encourages us to keep going with our eyes fixed on Jesus. And so I want to go back to the butterfly for just a second. So part of what you might have noticed there at the end is that butterfly didn't just pop right out of the cocoon, did it? There's this moment where you see the butterfly kind of wriggling and struggling. I can't do it upside down, but he's like wriggling and he's struggling to get out of there. And did you know that if you were to come along and you were to like doot, doot, and kind of help him out, help him out of the cocoon, it could actually kill the butterfly. In fact, most likely it would. And here's why. Because wriggling around and that struggle to emerge from that cocoon is, is the thing that pumps the blood out of that body into the wings and helps those wings unfold and helps all those muscles start working and it's how the butterfly learns, okay, I've got like a whole new body. I got to figure this thing out, right? And so if we helped him out of the cocoon, he would probably die. But I think in the same way, our faith builds us and strengthens us, right? Obviously, we've not all emerged from our cocoons yet. And so there's a whole part of this walk, this work, this working out our faith, right? It says that in scripture. And I think it is work. There are parts of this that are really, really hard sometimes. And so all of that uh, is strengthening our muscles. A bunch of us uh, guys yesterday went and played a disc golf. And I woke up this morning. I'm like, oh my goodness, what did I do? Like, and, and it's because I have muscles hurt that I didn't even know that I had, okay? 
And part of the deal is I don't use this muscle or this muscle a lot. I mean, people don't swing swords a lot these days. And those are the motions you use to swing swords. And so like, I'm like, oh my goodness, what is going on? And so there's a part of that, that obviously if I kept doing it, those muscles would be built up and they would be stronger. And as I said, if I kept doing it, I'm not guaranteeing I will. I probably will. It was fun. But there's this thing that happens as we work out. I mean, we have a, like a muscle spiritually too, right? And so the more that we pour into God's word, the more uh, that we spend time with other people who love him, uh, the more that we pray, all these things that like, we feel like we have to do. Well, I have to pray. I've got to put the gold star next to bringing my Bible to VBS. You know, all, that, all those things. They're actually for our strength. They're to build us up. They're to make us into that image, into that butterfly that we're called to be. Our faith builds us up and strengthens us. And so your faith life today, guys, it may be in the caterpillar stage, just getting started. And that's okay. That's great. Um, Maybe you're in the goo. (laughs) I feel like I'm in the goo all the time. Maybe you're pretty advanced in your walk and you're starting to look more like a butterfly. Well, each of those stages and everything in between is important. It's super important. And there are no shortcuts when it comes to growing spiritually. Let me say that again. There are no shortcuts when it comes to growing spiritually. We can do things to learn faster, uh, to memorize scripture, all the things that basically as we learn how to use our brains better, those can happen. But far as growing spiritually, there are no shortcuts. But what you need to know today, what I think we need to know as a community is that God made us, right? And so part of that making is his love for us. Like he loved us. And so he made us and he has a plan for us and he sees where you're at. He knows what stage you're in. He knows what you need next and he won't give up on you. So don't give up on him. Hang in there no matter what's going on in your life. And so the choice that we have today, I think all of us is to respond to this call that he has. Remember we talked about the calling We have a choice. We can respond to the calling or we can not respond to the calling. But the growth that God wants us to have only happens when we respond. We have to yield to his work. And that's up to us. That's a choice that we get to make. Whether we're going to yield to the things that God wants us to do, that he's asking us to do, the places where maybe he wants to clean things out of our closet, to the places to where maybe he wants us to start doing a little more power lifting in our spiritual lives. All of those things, that works up to us. We respond to his call and we yield to what he wants to do. And so uh, as we kind of wrap up this part today, we're going to take the opportunity to do that. Next Sunday... It's not only DC Wow, but it's also Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year on the 29th. And each New Year, as a part of that, God's people uh, will fast. Uh, they will pray. They will confess their sin. Sound familiar? Uh, they will make restitution at times for maybe things that they've done in the previous year. And then they will commit to change for the year ahead. So in light of this, I thought it would be appropriate for us to take some time to do uh, those things and at least consider what we've been talking about over the past month um, and the things that we've heard from his word today. And so I'm going to pray in just a minute. I've got some folks that are going to hand you a sheet of paper. And what I tried to do was just to put some things down on that paper for you to think about. Um, And you can go ahead and hand those out if you want to. Just some things for you to think about uh, as we we go. Now, there's a lot on that paper. 
So you may not make it through all that stuff today. You may want to take it with you. In fact, you should take it with you. Consider that over the next, at least the next week. Um, And then there's a few other things on the side there that are related to where we've been this month. But the idea of this is just to give you an opportunity with something in front of you to consider how you can respond to God's call today and how you can yield your life to him. So obviously, hopefully, obviously, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here today, uh, that is the best response you could have. That starts this whole process, responding to Jesus and saying, listen, I want to be a follower of yours. Whatever the cost, I'm going to set aside my previous life and do my best to chase after you. It's basically a commitment to to do your best to turn from your old ways and follow his ways. There's a part of that that's instantaneous. You're instantaneously a part of his family. His spirit is then in your life, dwelling in you, strengthening you to follow him. But then there are parts that aren't instantaneous and that's the part we've kind of been talking about today. You don't have to be perfect. No one in this room is but it's just simply committing that you're going to turn from what you were doing and the way you were living to follow him and trust him. So before we do this, would you guys bow your hearts with me? God, we love you. And I thank you for this moment. Uh, It's a sacred moment. And I think sometimes we forget that, that when we come into your house of worship, doesn't mean that your presence is only here, God, but it does mean that we are focused on your presence and that we are yielding ourselves to allow you to do the work in us that you want to. And so, God, I pray that would be the case today for each one of us. I pray that um, just the things that would cause us hold back. I pray that we would just give everything to you today. And for some of us, it might be a lot. For some of us, it might be a little. You know each of our hearts individually, God, and you know exactly what we need. So I pray as we consider these things and as we worship and we pray that you would do hearts and that we would let you, that we would allow you to, that we would invite you in. We love you and we thank you for your faithfulness and the fact that you don't give up on us. And all these things are in Jesus' name.